and unless i go and talk to farmers and understand that social context my analysis is not going to be as powerful it it would be flawed because i have not understood the social context i'm serena killam and welcome to what sociology got to do with it the podcast exploring research issues from rural and regional australia and asking our guests what sociology got to do with it. This podcast is recorded on the unceded lands of the Wiradjuri people and I pay my respects to their elders past and present and acknowledge that sovereignty was never ceded. What Sociology Got to Do With It is sponsored by the Australian Sociological Association, Charles Sturt University and is produced for the 2020 Social Sciences Week, promoting the importance of the social sciences for understanding humanity, society and the institutions which govern our daily lives. Let's go. So thank you for joining us on the podcast, What's Sociology Got to Do With It? Can we start off by asking you to tell us about your research? Good morning and thank you for having me today. I have been a PhD student. I started my PhD back in 2010, so a researcher for almost 10 years. I started my research studying agribusiness supply chains dairy industry in Pakistan in particular, where I come from. And as part of that research, I did some economic analysis, supply chains, which required a qualitative approach, and then studying the final consumers, which was understanding consumer perceptions. More recently, I've been focused on in business, in agriculture in particular, and production risk at the farm level. And that means business risk and financial risk. And I have also been interested in doing some research, consumer and understanding consumer preferences using a method called conjoint analysis or discrete choice modeling. Tell us then, Shashil, what what has sociology got to do with any of that? Serena, that's uh, something which is uh, of interest to me. And I guess the research I do, if you talk about marketing, for example, and consumer preferences, in discrete choice modeling, we can come up with attributes in a certain product that consumers would. But you see, it's really about the consumer behavior and the choices that we consumers make as humans, which are quite complex. So even if you go to the professional seminars that the advocates of this quantitative method suggest is first start with interviewing the consumers Mm -hmm. or a group of consumers, something like a focus group, and then build on that. So the base of it is some kind of qualitative research, understanding the behavior of those consumers in the context of that society. Uh, Same goes with the risk as well. So something which I might perceive as risk Mm -hmm. might be very different to a farmer. Unless I go and talk to a few farmers and understand their perception about risk and what they think is important, it's not going to be very powerful. It is good, but I think it would add more strength if I bring in that human aspect in, in risk, for example. So if we go to the part of your research that looks at talking to farmers about risk, what do you think are some of the benefits of applying a sociological lens to that research? So to give you an example, Serena, more recently we have got a small grant from Graham Centre and it's about the competing crops of 
rice, cotton, and almonds in Riverina region. Mm-hmm. And uh, water is a scarce commodity, and the competition is really for water. I can do some modeling, desktop modeling, to understand what that risk entails, and I can almost certainly come up with saying that almonds would be more profitable. Mm-hmm. But there is this. social context as well you know where farmers are making those choices and say if i am in this mixed farming zone producing a certain crop say wheat for example or cotton and i switch to a tree crop there should be a good reason to do that and unless i go and talk to farmers and understand that social context my analysis is not going to be as powerful it it would be flawed because i have not understood the social context in riverina for example so have you already started talking to farmers as part of this research that's a, a good question but we have not unfortunately because of covid-19 restrictions we have not been able to do that but we plan to do that at some stage and get in touch with the, the local farmers through telephone or zoom So given that you haven't yet gone out and had the chance to talk directly to farmers can you give for our listening audience some of the things that you might think are influencing how farmers are perceiving risk or influencing their decisions about what type of crop they put in beyond the pure desktop modeling that you're able to do So Serena this the production in this sheep wheat zone that we are in is fairly complex and to my mind being an economist i guess the most that somebody would make is profit mm-hmm. and they are driven by profits but having said that as i said earlier it might be flawed so in a certain rotation for example in a cropping rotation or choosing whether to keep livestock or to grow pasture more this year mm-hmm. or to have more wheat for example produced this year there are certain factors particularly weather for example or the availability of water or or the past experiences and my perception as a farmer in terms of taking risk as well you know if it has not rained say until april may a good rain how would i make that the scene it varies a great deal from farmer to farmer as well yeah so what we do as a desktop thing is make us few assumptions based on that weather data but we can't really beat an experienced farmers perceptions about how they would make decisions at a certain time in the year i guess i don't have a clear answer to your question unless we go and talk to some farmers mm-hmm. and their perceptions about risk would vary a great deal as humans as well you know so your perception about risk might be very different to mine if we go back to your research in pakistan shashil what were some of the social factors that came out of that research that were surprising to you as a economist Serena one of the things that we had as part of the supply chain research was this the middlemen are bad they are evil in the society and they take their cut from the farmers and from the and the consumers are not given a good quality product as well can you But, just explain for our listeners what you mean by middleman they might not so, be familiar so, with that term sure the dairy industry is big in pakistan it's pakistan is about ranked sometimes a third or the fourth largest milk producer uh-huh and 90% of the production or more than 90% of the production the milk produced in rural areas goes to the consumers through these informal channels where the raw fresh milk 
changes several hands mm-hmm. from farmer through to the final consumer and those intermediaries are along the supply chain are middlemen yep and they can be small somebody who's collecting 100 liters of milk for example and then another middleman who might be next step in the chain collecting say 1000 liters of milk from small collectors and then another big one who might be collecting 5000 or 10000 liters of milk so we categorize these as small medium and large mm-hmm. middlemen and uh, so the perception is serena that they are an evil in the society mm-hmm. whereas to my surprise they are not mm-hmm. they are generating a lot of job opportunities in that society in that social context and that was surprising and not only that they are also extending cash advances to the farmers when they yes. need them and they almost like work like an atm Uh, poor farmers small holders mm-hmm. who don't have uh, even bank accounts in that country so those um middlemen relationships i guess in much literature they are perceived as being like an evil necessity and it's evil from the point of economics only because it's seen that they take a cut from the producer and take something make it more expensive for the consumer but actually your research echoes very similarly to my research experience with middlemen in Brazil is that those middlemen have a really key function in their social context that the fact that they can broker loans the fact that they can give advances for smallholder farmers who might not have access to formal banking systems so the social context has totally flipped that narrative about middlemen then absolutely right serena so to my surprise we had not applied any the social lens to these dairy supply chains in pakistan so those perceptions were based on quantitative studies and just calculating the margins mm-hmm. without bringing in that human factor and the cultural context of that society so what we were able to do is through these case studies applying a qualitative lens we were able to understand these functions as you said serena and i can relate to all of that in pakistan as well where they were extending loans to the farmers where needed and extending cash and even when the cows would go dry they would still keep giving money to the farmers yes uh, things like wedding or children's school fees yeah. or funerals things like that there was so there's a human context yes. in those supply chains because you can't ignore yeah they're often the neighbor or the person who lives down the street so that relationship is beyond just the pure economic relationship there absolutely correct serena so shashil how would you say that a uh, social lens is disrupting that normal economist way of looking at things like supply chains or farmers perception of risk this is an interesting question serena but i don't think it's disrupting it's in fact informing economists to make sense of that world it's not just profit driven and the motives are not only profit from an economist perspective there is more to that so these qualitative uh, studies or the social lens brings a whole new dimension to understanding these agri business supply chains for example which is missing at least in that pakistani context to inform the policy makers uh, as well and for example an argument for years has been that we need to develop and we need to bring in big processors in the country 
and we need to modernize the industry. And I don't disagree with that. But at the same time, we need to think how can we uplift these existing chains mm-hmm. which are generating so many employment opportunities because yeah. one of the policy goals is employment opportunities for the population, for the masses as well. So if a country has 25% of its GDP is from agriculture, and that means a job creation as well, how can you then ensure that whatever alternative system is brought in the place gives at least the amount of opportunities as in job creation, for example. And to take account of what might be lost, for example, social cohesion and those social relationships. Correct, surely. So can, this is almost flipped, but can you tell us what is your full name, where you're talking to us from and what is your current role? Serena, my full name is Soshil Solomon Godfrey and i I'm working with Charles Sturt University in the School of Agricultural and Wine Sciences. And I teach economics and marketing as part of my role. But I also do some research uh, in my role as uh, a staff of this Charles Sturt University. Shashil, how do you hope to change the world with your research? (laughs) Serena, one of the things which is on my heart, for example, is... In Australia, where I am now, and it has given me so much uh, as, as an immigrant, I think given the recent droughts and the fires, for example, and the COVID-19, for example, and the impact of that on the economy and farmers in particular, the research I mentioned, the risk, for example, it has so much to offer in terms of even just the preparedness for a farmer because what we do, Serena, is we generate, um, I'll give you an example. I'm doing some analysis of dairy industry in Australia and the Victorian government has data for the last 13 years, comprehensive data for three dairy regions in Victoria. I have taken up that data and I have analyzed that to understand the probabilities of making net profits or losses. And what we can do then is if I'm a farmer, say in Gippsland, that probability of profitability gives me a very good understanding of how things would pan out because we have taken the historical data and we have projected the future based on what has happened in the past. So if you're a farmer in the northern region, for example, which is not as good as a farmer in Gippsland or Southwest, for example, it gives you a picture of what is the chance of my winning or losing. Mm -hmm. And if I'm a farmer and if I go in depth, I can maybe adjust a few things in my production practices or maybe explore alternative investment opportunities as a farmer. So this research is most relevant now to inform the farmers of how they can be better prepared, if nothing else, mm-hmm. at least be better prepared for the future that they are facing, Serena. I want to contribute more towards that. That's fantastic, Shashil. Where can our listeners find you on social media or on your institutional website? Serena, unfortunately, I'm not very big on social media, which I should make a bit more effort to. LinkedIn. But, <laughs> <laughs> but I... Even if you Google my name, Soshil Godfrey School of Fag and Mind Sciences, my portfolio would 
come in there and they can contact me if anybody's interested. Fantastic. Shashil, thank you so much for joining us on What's Sociology Got to Do With It. Um, have a lovely day. Serena, thank you very much for the opportunity and it's lovely talking to you. What Sociology Got to Do With It is hosted by me, Serena Killam, and is produced by Claire Sams. Music is for the team by Sapphire Studios. If you like our show and want to know more, please check out thatsociologypodcast.org and leave us a review wherever you get your podcasts. What Sociology Got to Do With It is supported by Charles Sturt University and the Australian Sociological Association promoting sociological thinking and skills for public life, social policy and education. I hope you've enjoyed this episode. Join us next episode as we explore the latest research from rural and regional Australia and ask our guests what sociology got to do with it.